Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 7th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the lore in Halo that are leading up to Halo Infinite. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is the currently trying to figure out something to use as her name because she didn't think about it yet. It's just green. It's just green this week. Let's forget about it. Hold on to your butts. Hold on Mm -hmm. to your butts. (laughs) And last but definitely. If if you wanted to go the Halo route, I could give you a quote from Johnson if you want. (laughs) No. (laughs) I I mean, I had Carolina as my background. I could do a text thing where I guess it would not have been text. Who was it? Was it Griff? Protect me, Cone. (laughs) Protect Protect me, me Cone. cone, Green-eyed music lover. (laughs) There we go. But, and last but definitely not least, in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have our good friend, Pins Halo. Pins, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. We have to have you here. Yeah, You're I was obligated. about to say, obviously. Um, <laughs> now that we have all that out of the way, I want to actually shift focus back over to Pins, uh, because usually with the intro sessions, we get, you know, we set aside some time to get to know the guest. Uh, Pins <coughs> has been on for, man, a handful of times. I, I think can't, this is... Five or Five? six. Yeah, basically every Halo episode we know Pins has been on, and then there's been a few extra on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, give us give us a quick rundown for those who I know there is a couple people who jumped into our chat actually earlier today that were like, "Hey, we just found you guys." So give a couple, give us a quick rundown of like how how did you get into game lore, but more specifically Halo. <clears throat> well. Um... I've always been one who enjoyed reading and sci-fi and especially military sci-fi. Um, but really from a game perspective until the very first one that I started to get into was star Wars from X-Wing and TIE fighter, which kind of led me along with the movies and whatnot. But, um, it actually was halo. Um, the first time I loaded up, uh, halo CE and after you escape the pillar of autumn and you come out and you open up in t- and you see the, uh, sky box, um, I was like, I was amazed. And then I ended up reading Halo, the fall of reach by Eric Nyland. And I knew right then and there I was hooked. Um, it reminded me so much of the techno thrillers 
that I loved from like Clancy and Dale Brown and whatnot. So I was just straight up hooked from there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so. I know both of you, I'm going to toss it to pins first, but both of you are excited for Halo Infinite. And I want to get your take on what you're most excited to possibly see, what they're going into. Pins, you want to start this I, off? I think for me, it's because Halo Infinite is set essentially three three to four, three years in the future from where we left off at Halo 5. Um, <clears throat> I want to see what what pretty much what's happened in in the universe you still have i mean we know that you're we're fighting the banished but what happened with the created mm-hmm. um what's you know there's talk of the didact coming back um plus and we'll probably get into this in the advanced episode but where halo infinite actually takes place um zeta halo installation 07 that ring is thousands upon thousands of years older than any of the other existing rings or the the rings that are still around, and it's there's so much potential for a story there, uh, different things we haven't seen before, um, and I'm really interested and excited to see how three four three progresses the story mm-hmm. uh, for that. And uh, but yeah, that's really what I'm looking forward to. All right, Jay, what about you? I am excited to get the brute equipment back because honestly, <clears throat> the brute's weapons were some of the most ridiculously fun ones out there with what was that halo 3 i think was when or halo 2 was when they were introduced but halo 3 was when we got to really like double down with well, their stuff odst as well ODST oh, yeah, well, as well. Oh, yeah that's true but man brute the brute weapons just because of the the aesthetic that the brutes had whereas just like it that heavy like it always had like a heavy blade they had the grenade they had grenade launchers which were just ridiculously fun in pvp um, but then they also had like the, um, oh, pins, you'll know what it is. It's the, it's the brute ghost. That was just a giant, <laughs> it was a giant blade oh, that you could just run things chop- over with. The, brute oh, the chopper. chopper, the chopper. Oh my God. I'm like, the brutes had just like some really cool aesthetics to it. And they also brought like when, when they were introduced with Halo 2, like that was the entire like kind of catalyst to the whole arbiter situation, you know, the brutes, um, cause that was, uh, it was at Tartarus who yep. was the big bad at that point. Like, I mean, the mm-hmm. whole thing with them kind of set into motion, a large component of what eventually, in my opinion, was one of the big things that broke the covenant was like, and, and I mean, like there's other things that happened outside, but like the brutes were were the betrayal of them to the the uh, elites were kind of like on in the game world it kind of was like that happened then this happened and it was just like they were very they were very instrumental in that introduction I guess of the arbiter um, okay. and so like the, bringing them back in even though it's Atriox and Atriox is such an interesting character we'll get into his story as well because <laughs> Atriox is not. Like, the brutes that we encountered before have been brutes that were loyal to the Covenant. Atriox is the exact opposite. And one of the things about Atriox is, like, I think uh, it was, is it um, uh, Isabel? Was that the AI in Halo Wars 2? Yep. Uh, She she kind of explains it. She does a really good job explaining it. But she she made a comment about, like, even at the height of their power, the Covenant weren't able to deal with Atriox. So the fact that we're going up against... um, uh, Atriox via his war chief, one of his war chiefs, is really 
I mean, like, this is going to be, it's setting it up to be a very interesting story because it's, I will be very surprised if it gets done in one title. <clears throat> okay. Well, unless, uh, unless well, something may, well, okay. What this, this installment of this title, I guess would mm-hmm. be a better way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than like a DLC add on type thing. Well, because what they they have softly alluded to is that this is like it's Halo Halo Infinite. Right. Everything going forward is just gonna be basically kind of kind of like how Destiny has gone where it's 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 adding on to the existing sure. platform. Sure. Um, it, you know, uh World of Warcraft, you know, all the all yeah. the online games. It, that seems to be a lot of the the AAA titles, whether you like it or not, that kind of seems to be the standard practice that a lot of them are moving towards. Mm-hmm. Uh for ho- like a whole host of reasons, like whole host of reasons, but um I can see like Halo Infinite, especially since it's going to be a initial launch title on the Series X, we're going to be with it for a, a while, like unless they turn something around really quick <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't i don't expect that's not too that's not a bad thing though is if you're talking about how people maneuver through titles and whatnot if you have no. a classic mm-hmm. or a favorite stick to you're sticking to it most of mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. so i can see why that's a good model that they're that a lot of people are moving oh towards. i i mean it's one of the reasons i i really like destiny is it it helps it helps um longevity like well, longevity, but it also it 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 makes the players kind of connect with the interconnectedness of the story. Like it's mm-hmm. not oh well in Halo two this happened, but in Halo three this happened. No, it's this happened during this season, or you know, mm-hmm. but that season led to this era, whatever. Like sure. that's one of the reasons I love Spartan Ops from Halo four was because Spartan Ops took the story of Halo four and was like, okay, this is what happened, but then we're going to. We're not. We're not following the Master Chief. We're going to follow a random fire team of your your particular. Like you were able to customize your Spartan in Spartan Ops, and it was your team doing missions as a Spartan. Like it was. It was just. It was an extension of Halo 4's story, and it's still one of my favorite ways that they have that any of them have done that. Okay. So and here's. Consider- Go for it. And considering that was, I'm sorry, and considering that was the first time anyone's ever done that, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it wasn't, it's not, it's not a true, it's not a DLC. It was an extension. And no one had ever done that before. And it was a little bit rough in the first half of that season, mainly because the way they reused maps and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. Which I didn't even care. Yeah. But it really got good in that second half. And, um, I was really disappointed they never had it, uh, 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 a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, my thoughts on that are, but well, no, but but that's kind of what I'm seeing with Infinite is you're going to kind of see this it, an epi- kind of like an episodic kind of thing where you go down paths and things like that. So I think that'll be good, though. Yeah, and Viru makes another point too: is this model <clears throat> also allows them to schedule development properly while the game is live. So it it also, from a development standpoint, almost eliminates the need for having crunch. Like it doesn't it doesn't eliminate it because you're always going to have crunch, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be it's not going to be it, well. The crunch is not going to be so terrible. Like it's not like right. 
come November, we have to like, you'll still have deadlines, but it's not like, okay, well, we're going to shift everyone from platform A to platform B. Right. You know, we're, we're seeing that with Bungie with Beyond Light. I mean, they had they had to shift Beyond Light from what, September to November? Or was it? Yep. So, yeah. Like, but they shifted yeah. it. And it's like, that doesn't, I mean, yes, everyone was like, oh, like we wanted to play it, but it doesn't mean that we don't have a game to play between that time. Whereas like, if you're going to a completely new, like call of duty where they do the, the cyclical year thing, you know, if you don't release it on that schedule, you mess up not only the future schedule, but you also leave people, you know, there's, there's other contracts that get impacted by that too. Coding wise. I'm sure that it, it, has developments and stuff that happens within oh. the engines that I'm sure really mess with it, though. So I can imagine that there's going to be challenges either way, whether or not you start with a brand new engine or format within a game title versus an ongoing one. I know you guys are laughing because you're both. No, gamers. no. So the reason I'm laughing, sorry, the reason I'm laughing is I literally just sent pins this video a couple days ago where um, not good news. <laughs> came out about yeah. like halo's base code and so the thing is is like with games like this like big games like it's ridiculous how much code is actually still from the original batch like because it just gets grandfathered in with like the whole the whole system like it, it it's because they they don't have time right because of crunch and, and because the demand is so high but yeah. what that can lead to and this was kind of one of the things that was sort of, I don't I can't remember if I ever I don't remember getting confirmation that this was accurate but the the statement was that a lot of the code in Halo was done by contractors and so right. these contractors didn't have any skin in the game if you will and so they just basically kit bash stuff well the developers then have to go back and they have to figure out or you know and this is and to be clear this isn't just Halo this is you know take your pick on triple a games and right. yeah that's what chats do they pulled a bethesda yeah i mean that's <laughs> bethesda is not unique in that sense like it but there's there's so much code that is grandfathered in from the real like the base like even though they're going to the slip space engine which mm-hmm. is such a big step above what was it unreal 4 was the yeah what's the one that they were i mean like slip space looks ridiculous like it's just it's an amazing system um but even so they're still going to have old code because the other thing is to remember is like this is a cross-platform or not cross-platform a cross-generation game so like right the xbox one is going to be able to play halo infinite it's just not going to be able to play it at uh, i think it was 120 fps was yeah it? The, yeah <laughs> that's ridiculous ridiculous, ridiculous. but real sorry. quick i'm gonna cut you guys off i got one more question for you and it's probably the in some ways the harder one but is there anything that you're specifically worried about coming up with the game you have a minute each okay um (laughs) i mean i know i know my answer so yeah yeah i I think for me um it's pretty obvious that you can tell that they're leaning pretty heavily on nostalgia you can see that in the graph in the in the graphics you can hear that in the music um, <clears throat> not necessarily gameplay, but things like that. And I don't want them to lean on nostalgia so much, just living off of what Halo 1, 2, and 3 were, or CE 2 and 3. I really enjoyed 4. Um, I loved the way they took the story. 
five had issues, but I the it had good ideas there. It just wasn't executed right. I just want to see them continue to innovate and not be scared to innovate. Okay. So that's probably it for me. Yeah, my my biggest concern is basically that. Um, my biggest concern is just dealing with the community blowback that I know is going to happen. Like, and, and it's that's that's me basically kind of dodging the question. But really, honestly, I don't have anything. I've been completely happy with everything that Bungie did with Halo. That three four three has done with Halo. I've loved yep. every single installment of Halo. Um, I've had my gripes about every single installment of Halo. Like equally different gripes, but equally the number of gripes. Um, but there's a reason I don't get super involved with Halo's community and I don't see that changing. And that's, that's, that's the, it's not so much me worried. It's actually me sad because Halo's an amazing game, but it's mm-hmm. like the community can just, it gets, it just can get really toxic sometimes about Brutal. really stupid stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, trust black, me, those black, the, black undersuits. Oh God. That caused a problem. <sighs> Oh, don't. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. There was a reason yes. that there was a reason that it, was specifically called out in the blog, like that. <laughs> Green, I, I'll be look. I'll be glad to talk to anybody about some of this stuff because I have a tendency to get really passionate when I start hearing some of the stuff. It drives me up a wall. But if we actually want to get to the topic, we yeah. should not go down this road. Well, that's a good. Good spot to stop so we can do an uh, uh, an ad break real quick. And my timer just went off. So we'll be right back with, actually, I think we're starting with Halo 3, right? Yeah, we're going to do a state, just a recap real quick. Cool. So be right back, guys. Hey, Guardians. We are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside. And we're back, and everybody's still giggling a little bit because (laughs) Penn's is slightly triggered and ready to go. But I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be the mom and I'm going to shift your face back towards Halo 3. That's where we're starting since mm-hmm. we're doing kind of a recap on it. So, let's start in what is it 2553? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the lead up to Halo Infinite, um you start off the Halo 3 ends in March of 2553 with um the destruction of the flood on the lesser arc. Um, <clears throat> but in later in 2053, and this kind of leads to what the universe is now, Oni, that wonderful group, instigates mm-hmm. a civil war between, um, well, they instigate a civil war between some of the remnants of the covenant. The idea being they, if they keep them unstable, they won't try to cause a problem with the UNSC. Sure. Um, this was specifically with the Sangheili, or the elites. There were two factions. You have Thelvadam, who was the Arbiter, and his Swords of Sanghelios, and then the faction called the Servants of the Abiding Truth. Uh, it was just, it's an ancient 
religious order that um, <clears throat> predated the Sanghelian uh, Shansayum or prophets, uh, okay. w- their war. Um, <clears throat> so they were just two opposing factions, essentially based upon religious lines. The problem is, is that a Sanghili by the name of Jul Mdana, I'm sorry, Jul Mdama, anyone who played Halo 4 knows who that is, uh, found this out. Found out that Oni was the one triggering all of this, which ended up causing his wife to get killed. He used this information to form another covenant faction, essentially to wage war against the UNSC. Um, so, okay, I'm going to pause yeah, real quick. Yeah. Quick question. So, mm-hmm. Jul Ndana Dama is part of the original covenant that was with uh, Thelvadams? Um, he basically, okay, so originally the Sangheili were a race that um, viewed the um, the technology of the forerunners as holy to the point where you don't touch it. Okay. This was different than the Shen Chaoyun or the prophets. They wanted to use the technology. Okay. So, <clears throat> and the servants of the abiding truth, like I said, they were, they didn't believe in tampering with forerunner technology. But yeah, Joel and Donna was actually felt m- was more along the lines of what the covenant that the hum- that the UNSC fought were that he was willing to use that technology, um, which you see plenty in Halo 4 and in Spartan Ops, mm-hmm. to um, continue the fight. Um, and honestly, if Oni hadn't stuck its nose in it, we may not have had Halo 4. So Interesting. Thanks, okay, Oni. So, yeah, so you mm-hmm. have the the ones who want to use the old tech, the ones that don't want to use the old tech, and then everyone are put on a chessboard, and Oni's like, play. <laughs> yeah, I Pretty mean, much. to be fair, though, that is kind of what Oni does in general, or tries to do in general. But you also forgot the Lagoko, who just wanted yeah. to eat everything. Well, the yeah. Hunters. The Hunters, mm-hmm. yeah. No, no, wait, was that a f- fractured circle? Was that what that one was? With the Prophets and the Hunter Worms eating the the ship? That was actually in... What book was that in? Contact Harvest. Contact Harvest, Contact that's Har- right. Yeah. Contact Harvest. The um, remnant of Mendicant Bias, a Forerunner AI, discovered. Right. This is when they discovered humanity. This is when they, the Covenant found out that humanity was supposed to be the inheritors of <laughs> everything the Forerunners had. They were completely and okay Mendicant with Bias this. Was They're going completely to take okay with the, that. Yeah, the Mendicant Bias was going to take the ship that he was on to find the humans. <laughs> Well, the Covenant decided no and sent the Lagoko, which will eat technology, in to disable the ship. And that's as short as I can make that story. Okay. So the Lagoko are... The hunter worms. So, like, hunters, the big hunters, those are not actual single entities. Those are entire colonies. That's terrifying. And they they come in pairs. Yeah, that's why they also come in pairs. But also, if you ever are playing Halo and you punch them in the back, when you see the cords that are in the... That's actually the worms. The worms? Moving. That's gross. <laughs> that's gross. Well, there's a scene in Halo 5 where you can see the worms forming, forming yeah. the hunter. Oh, it's so cool. That is pretty neat. <clears throat> and we, we won't go into how the scarab is actually a uh, <laughs> a, a massive, hunt, uh, massive a go-go <laughs> colony, but we won't go there. Can we jump to yes the requiem yes yes <laughs> point okay, number so- two by the way guys <laughs> we're doing so well 
this is how every Halo episode <laughs> has gone. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so twenty in so continuing on with Julum Dama. Um, like I said, he was searching for ways to become stronger, move forward, um, and using Forerunner technology. Well, they come across the Forerunner Shield World Requiem. They then spend the next three years trying to find a way to get into it. Um, <clears throat> again, this was this ended up being a, a Forerunner world where um, they were hoping to get a lot of technology from to assist them in their fight. They don't Moving on to that until Halo Three. Like, nope. July 21st, 2557 is the date they actually get in. We're going to get there. I'm just jumping yep. ahead. Sorry. No, not a problem. 2555? Yeah. So in 2555, um, at the end of in Halo 3, a portal was opened above Voy in, uh, in Kenya that allowed the UNSC to travel through to get to the Ark where the final battle was fought. Well, that portal was left open. It ended up that the AI that was in charge of uh, the Ark sent sentinels through the portal to collect um, <clears throat> resources to restore the Ark back to its glory. A combined UNSC and Swords of Sanghelios team, fun note, if you ever played uh, co-op in Halo 3, mm-hmm. the two you played as two Spartans and two Elites. The two elites that were in Halo 3 were the ones that went through the portal along with the Spartans at Voy. Okay. So they actually oh, tied the two together. That's really cool. Yeah. So they go through the they go through and they're able to get the issue resolved. Um, also in 2555, the location of Installation 07, otherwise known as Zeta Halo, is discovered. And it is also in this point in time that only learns of the origins of a Eurohane that has been, um, that the Covenant is hunting by the name of Atriox. Okay, you're going to have to, I'm, I'm assimilating so much information. Atriox, what race is that? Uh, a brute. Uh, the the proper name is Eurohane. Okay. They're, the um, UNSC calls them brutes. Okay. Because, well, yeah. Because... <laughs> They look like King Kong. Well, yeah, it was just slang because they didn't know what the proper name was. And, well, anyone who's fought them in Halo will know that (laughs) you get to a point that you pop their armor and they go into a berserker rage. (laughs) Okay. It's the funniest and best animation ever. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I need to do a playthrough with you guys and just let you guys laugh at me the whole time because I'm going to be that person who just pops it and then runs. Uh, why do you oh, think I've, I I've love been watching? Fun laughing at Mylan? Uh, that's what I was just about to say. Why do you think I comment on every Mylan clip that he's supposed to? The hammer clip when he realizes, mm-hmm. like, <gasps> I still think the ghost one is my favorite, where he steals the ghost finally oh, yeah. and gets across the map, and then another ghost just shoots him as he gets there, and just a look of despair on his face. Just. Don't celebrate too early. Nope, never do. Okay. Um, So, 2556. It's at this point in time that um, the Forward Unto Dawn was a Chiron-class frigate. That was the frigate that actually took Chief and the Arbiter to the Ark, and that was the one where he got stranded, ended up being stranded in the middle of unknown space uh, when the portal collapsed. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was found that the... um, Cortana, which Chief was in cryo sleep. 
Cortana files a report on the history of forerunners and humans. And it's at this point in time that she starts to exhibit clear signs of rampancy. Um, this is actually comes directly from the, um, the short Halo Origins 2, which is in, um, Halo Legends. It's a bunch of short clips animated. Actually, they're all an from anime studios, uh, that put together some small stories that 343 had put together. It's actually really well done. Nice. Okay. <clears throat> so, moving on. Halo July 21st. Four, right? Halo 4. July 21st, 2557, my 586th birthday. Cortana awakes John from cryosleep. Um, she does this because um, they have drifted close to the Shield World Requ Requiem and has detected all the the fleet of Jewel Madama that are there. Um, <clears throat> a battle ensues. They board the, the Ford and Dawn to try to prevent it from, to destroy it or at least salvage it. Uh, it ends up that um, Chief fights them off, and it ends up that the S.H.I.E.L.D. world recognizes a reclaimer, human, and scans and then decides to suck everybody into its core. <laughs> so this brings the Forerunner to Dawn, the Forerunner fleet essentially opens it up. I'm sorry, not the Forerunner, the Covenant fleet. It opens it up, allowing them to enter. Um, it ends up that the UNSC Infinity, which at that point in time was the newest ship, um, and UNSC fleet was out looking for forerunner um, relics, um, stations, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and through a number of broken um, <clears throat> radio messages, they determine they're, they're trying to warn the UNSC about, you know, don't get caught under the gravity well. Okay. Well, <clears throat> to do this, John and Cortana go through a bunch of things to try to disable this. They get to the core of the core of the shield world and they've determined that's what's causing the interference. They go to shut it down. They shut it down and it ends up, they release the didact from its crypt from his cryptum. Right. The didact was a forerunner general, um, who <clears throat> was the, um, who was captured by the flood and rendered pretty much insane. And he was uh, interred in a cryptum, which is, think of it as a, uh, a secure vault where right. he was supposed to sleep and hopefully heal, which he didn't. Um, I like that, I, which he's, he's, he did, he's still he crazy. Yeah. Um, a lot of this stuff, a lot, this particularly all comes from um, the uh, Forerunner trilogy written by Greg Bear. Okay. Um, if you... It's really, really good, although if you're not used to the way Greg Bear writes, it can be hard to get through. But <clears throat> anyway, um, the Didact takes control of both the Prometheans and ends up and the Covenant forces that were on uh, that were in Requiem. Um, despite all, everything John and Cortana try, they John and Cortana recognize he's a major threat. Mm -hmm. uh, however, the current captain of the UNSC Infinity, Andro Del Rio. Didn't see it that way. He wants to retreat back to Earth. Cortana and John Lee, uh, with help from Lasky, mm -hmm. uh, who was the second in command, eventually becomes commander of the Infinity, leave and try to stop him. So um, it's just the three of them essentially trying to stop well, him. Well, just the two. Just... No, Lasky stays. So he he okay. gives them an arm, a, a fully out equipped Pelican dropship, okay. and the two of them go off. Sorry, it ends up they can't uh, stop him. They're able to hop on 
a Covenant ship that's leaving, mm-hmm. uh, and they end up pursuing the Didact to Ivanov Station, which is where the Halo Ring Installation 03 is. Um, the Didact recovers a Forerunner device called the Composer. The Composer is a device made by the Forerunners that was initially to try to protect them from being uh, infected by the Flood. Right. What it does is it takes biological material and turns it digital. So, but while this initially didn't work in trying to do the restore, what it does do is it allows to take a biological creature, digitize him, and put him into an armored shell, meaning the Prometheans that we fight Mm -hmm. were actually biological creatures at some point in time. And do they automatically assume control over them? At that point, do they lose that? One of the things that I was curious of is you mentioned that the didact... um, took control essentially of that group right like he mm-hmm. became the general yes. of that group is he physically taking <clears throat> control over them kind of not necessarily via uh, orc style but more like the mm-hmm. vex where it's just not necessarily a hive mind but kind of assimilated into one um probably the best way that i can describe it is because the original prometheans were the didact's forerunner troops Mm -hmm. that volunteered to be digitized so they wouldn't be infected by the flood so they could fight the flood sure so there is they're not uh, automatons they do they are actually basic ai Mm -hmm. um and he doesn't it's not like a hive mind like the vex at all it each one essentially has i don't want to say fully its own will but it's semi-autonomous on its own gotcha so um so the uh, didact gets hold of the composer and composes everyone on Ivanov Station minus John, uh, thanks to some hocus pocus that the librarian, another forerunner, who I know we spoke on the last Halo episode I was on mm-hmm. briefly, um, essentially, and going into that is just going down another rabbit hole. So I'll just say she did some hocus pocus, which allowed him to be immune to being composed. They travel to Earth, and the, the, John and Cortana are actually able to stop the Didact. Um, throughout Halo 4, Cortana's rampancy is getting worse. Um, rampancy is nothing more than um, smart AI who are created from a human brain have a lifespan of seven years. After seven years, they start to think themselves to death. They kind of run out of space to do their processing, so in essence, they just start to break down. Um, and you see this throughout Halo 4. The way Cortana is actually, when they get to the point where they're just before they're able to fight the Didact, he's in a shield. To break the shield, Cortana splits off her rampant sections, a total of 12 of them, into the system to, to break the shield. Um, so once the shield's broken, he fights the Didact. Um, He's able to defeat the Didact by shoving a pulse grenade into his chest. The Didact falls into the a slip space portal, a slip space event that was below the composer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, before he's able to detonate a havoc nuclear bomb, because at this point in time, the Didact was actually composing the entire city of New Phoenix. Um, so, I remember <clears throat> some of this from yeah Halo Four. It was. That, if I remember right, that was the mission where everyone essentially cried because Cortana just kind of... Just, yeah, she died. Um, That, uh, just thinking of 
of that mission. The mission's name was Midnight, and that final cutscene always hits me dead in the feels mm-hmm. um, every time. So John detonates the Havoc nuclear bomb. The main fragment of Cortana, the one that stayed with him, was able to save John by p- putting him in a hard light bubble. She then dies, and John is recovered by teams from the UNSC Infinity. Mm-hmm. Going into 2558, this is where we started getting into Halo 4 Spartan Ops that Jay and I spoke about briefly. Uh, essentially, the UNSC Infinity returns for a second tour of Requiem. Spartan 4 teams are sent to dispatch or dispatch to combat Julem Donis Promethean Covenant forces. Um, they recover a Forerunner artifact that ends up being a trap that anchors the UNSC Infinity in place. Um, Oni ends up sending Catherine, Oni ends up sending Catherine Halsey to the Infinity to research the Forerunner device and assist them. Through this part, she ends up getting into discussions with Julem Dama, uh, and ends up being captured by him when Prometheans teleport onto the Infinity and capture her. Um, they found out that she had been discussing, communicating with him. And at this point in time, Sink Oni, or Commander-in-Chief of Office of Naval Intelligence, Saren Osman, who was actually a Spartan to washout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should, no, I shouldn't, I should, she was not a washout. She, the, the, and the enhancements did not take for her. It did not severely, and she was actually rehabilitated and by Oni. Oh, so they can uh, actually be rehabilitated at that point? Because I, I yes, was led to believe some that they of them couldn't. Can. Some of well, them can. some of them could. Yeah, um, not a very high percentage of them could. There was a yeah. few. Uh, well, there were seventy-five Spartans that went through the um, um, enhancements. Thirty-three died. Well, and I'll put quotes around "died" because in most cases, the uh, the coffins that were shot onto space were empty. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of them were actually were able to be rehabilitated and actually some of them actually joined the Spartan twos. Um, actually, I believe black team, uh, which was featured more mainly in the comics, um, was one of them. Um, <clears throat> but she ends up ordering captain Lasky to locate and terminate Halsey. The commander of the Spartans, uh, Sarah Palmer takes this and does a solo job for this. Lasky dispatches the Spartan teams Crimson and Majestic, which are the two teams you, you, you in, Spar- in Spartan Ops, you play as a member of Crimson. Majestic is the kind of like your sister team that is running in parallel with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sent to res- rescue Halsey. Um, Palmer wounds Halsey before Mdama escapes with her. And um, he, uh, in his escape, Mdama sends Requiem into the sun. There, which is the one part of Spartan Ops that I don't really like, but it is what it is. Um, and it, it ends, um, yeah, and it ends that with uh, Halsey losing an arm um, at the right. end because of the wound. So, so can I actually pause this for a quick moment because this is kind of where my a knowledge of Halo has basically come to a stop because i played through halo 4 and then i got through the start of halo 5 but before we jump into halo 5 and the the rescue mission for halsey and everything else going on i want to do a quick ad break before for our robots radio family the hosts at robots radio get a lot of questions from people who are interested in starting 
their own podcasts about how they can start, how they can grow their audiences, how they can create good content, even what microphone to use and what software to use, things like that. Well, we're changing things up at Robots Roundtable to talk and share about the things that we've learned, the things that work and the things that don't. We're sharing with you our actual real-world experience. How can you launch a show like the Fallout Lorecast and get as many listeners as we did early on and rock it to the top of the charts on Apple Podcasts? How do you create a show in such a crowded marketplace as it is today, as opposed to 10 years ago? We're getting together every week to share our answers with you. Just look up The Podcast Professor. A Robots Roundtable with the hosts from Robots Radio. And Blue, do you have anything to start this off for the Halo 5 thing now that we're back? And um, I mean, this is where... This is where a lot of the transmedia of Halo starts really, in my opinion, really starts tying back in and shining. Because you have Hunt the Truth, which is just ridiculously well done. Um, And then you also have, ah, what was it? Nightfall, which was the other one. Yes. I actually really liked Nightfall, which is also, going back to Logoko. You also get to see Goku there, too. Um, but, like, Nightfall was where you kind of got introduced to Locke, uh, especially. But you also get a a little bit of a glimpse of, like, the like the, um, the terrorist acts that Jewel Madama has kind of inspired, I guess, would be the best word for it. Um, yeah. Because during Nightfall, at the beginning, there is an elite, basically, that does a, a terrorist bombing on a human colony and it's a real like it's it's just it's really cool watching uh Locke's team which is fire team osiris mm-hmm. uh uh which actually well that's that was still when he was with oni he hadn't been with no, osiris that's right because he wasn't a spartan at that point right because no, he, he was, was not a spartan he, yeah he was a oni fixer that's right that's right because they had um was that the old spartan 2 that was yes. the the, uh, that was uh, oh, the big dude. So, so like that that entire miniseries is actually I I really enjoyed it. Uh, not as much as I enjoyed Forward Unto Dawn, but it was it was pretty good. Um, but so that that kind of gives you the sense of Locke's character, which then you know you play Locke at counter to Master Chief in Halo Five. Um, and Halo Five, you have Master Chief on blue team which is his original team from way back way back in the day. Uh they are all Spartan 2s and then Fire Team Osiris is all <clears throat> Spartan 4s. Yep, all Spartan 4s. Which that's where you have Locke, Buck, uh Tanaka and Vale. Uh Green, you'll actually recognize this. Locke is played by I can't remember his name, but he's the guy who does Luke Cage. Um the Buck is played by none other than Nathan Fillion. I'm not. I don't remember Tanaka's character, but I know Vale is Laura Bailey. Yeah. And um, the fun fact there is, Vale Laura Bailey plays Vale, who is on Team Osiris, and her husband Travis plays Fred, who's on Blue Team. So it's literally a red versus blue situation going on in their household. That was really really cool. I love I uh, love the. Uh, um, 
I think it was Cynthia McWilliam, McWilliams. Okay, I think was her voice? I wasn't. And I then, and uh, Randall zero three seven was a Spartan from Randall. Uh, that was yeah. former Spartan yeah. two, former Spartan in two. Nightfall. Yes. So yeah, that yeah <clears throat> that was that was my big thing with Halo Five was like you had the Hunt the Truth podcast slash audio drama, which was just just mind bogglingly well done. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think there were, I mean, there were a lot of tie, there were a lot of big names in hunt the truth as well. Mark Hamill was in there. Um, yep. uh, uh, Keegan, Keegan, yeah. Key, uh, the Keegan, uh, uh, what's his name? He was Keegan the Michael, P- Keegan, yeah. Michael Keegan Peel. Uh, he was the, he it was, was Keegan Peel and it was, yeah, he, he was, uh, Benjamin. um, Ben Ben Drew, yeah, yeah. So that 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 podcast was just and that and that was a cool podcast because that was again a kind of a throwback that you see that he because the main character in the podcast was the was the PR like one of the PR contacts that Oni used to how would you best say promote the Master Chief during the the events of Halo War Two or Halo uh, uh, Halo Two. Sorry, yeah. Ben Drew actually there was a comic called a uh, new son over Mombasa new Mombasa. He was actually the, uh, Oni propaganda guy in that. So he, Bendro was not, um, unfamiliar with working with Oni. Um, mm-hmm. and this, like I said, yeah, he was, his initial job was to, um, essentially put a good face on, you know, Tell people about Chief, but all the the really really good stuff and most of the stuff that was a lie. So he ends, which most of it ended up not being. He found out most of the true truth of the Spartan Two program, and it ended up getting him tossed into Midnight Facility, <laughs> which is a black hole owned by Oni. A black hole. So is he continually nah. falling towards the center? No, it's it's <laughs> I, like a it's the black prison? sites of black sites. It's a prison. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. it's a black site. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah. So which all and, then, and that all cul- that all culminates and leads up into Halo Five, which is really kind of the the culmination of like Halsey's betrayal, I think. But it's not really a betrayal because I still don't really get. Yeah. That was kind of fleshed out in some of the other transmedia. So mm-hmm. that was one of the things about Halo Five; they didn't explain that well mm-hmm. okay. in there. Uh, so, um, in essence, um, what happens is the opening scene: Fireteam Osiris drops in to a planet called Kamchata. They go to extract Halsey, who has information about a number of attacks that have started cropping up on a number of UNSC worlds where there's massive destruction. They kill Julum Dama in a cutscene in this. <laughs> uh, See, there was a bit the... there was a bit of anger about that. <laughs> yeah, so everyone's mad just a skosh. That's yes. I mean, I yeah, I see both sides yeah. to that one. Mm-hmm. I remember that cutscene. I actually was just playing through that the other day cuz I'm I'm trying again. I'm trying again to make it through Halo 5. It's a Halo Five playing solo. That's a. I will be honest. That was a slog. That was different. It is difficult. And when you decide to put it on legendary, yeah, I, got, I did and have oh. have have alcohol nearby. Yeah, because yes. Um. 
so anyway, um, in a parallel to this, Blue Team is sent out to um, recover a ship called the UNSC Argent Moon, which was an ONE research facility. Okay. Uh, it ends up that the Covenant find it as well, and and to keep it from falling in their hands, they go to scuttle it. During this mission, John is contacted by Cortana. Um, Who was supposedly dead. Yes. And um, to in sending him and Blue Team to Meridian, or asking them to go to Meridian uh, for the reclamation is how she phrased it. Mm. Um, it ends up that when, at the end of Halo 4, after uh, Cortana split off the rampant pieces of it, they all fell into slip spa- into the slip space event that was occurring beneath it. That gave Cortana a, a fragment of Cortana access to the domain. The domain is the forerunner warehouse of knowledge, um, which allowed her to actually cure rampancy. Infinite uh, amount of space to work. With. Pretty much. So, after scuttling the Argent Moon, uh, Blue Team goes ahead and they essentially go AWOL um, in a. Pretty interesting. I really like that cutscene from a family vibe perspective that it gives. But um, and then Osiris is sent to bring Blue Team back. Um, at the end of it, uh, Cortana um, invite sends a message across the galaxy, inviting people to join the Created, which is her group, uh, along with a number of AI and a number of smart AI do defect and go with her um, because the they feel <laughs> that's when everyone went mm-hmm. well I mean, I mean to be fair on their side too she's promising them a cure for rampancy exactly and that's so. that's like the big bad for smart AI is right. I mean it's one of those events that like you're like eh, I can't really blame you for a lot of a lot of them doing that or deciding to do that right um so cortana wants to try to convince john and blue team that to join them they john realizes that you know this is not the cortana he knows uh, she ends up sealing him in a cryptum you know with the goal of sealing him in there for 10,000 years to try to convince him um because that'll it, work yeah, it worked yeah. so well with the didact. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's other details with right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's like, I, really, I, I was like, yeah, but... I won't, but, <laughs> but anyway, that was her goal. Um, it ends up that Osiris is able to stop her along with the help of a forerunner AI called Exuberant Witness. Um, they're able to stop that, at least stop Cortana from taking Blue Team. Um the two Spartan teams then rendezvous on Sanghelios, along with the Swords of Swords of Sanghelios and other members of Infinity, including Palmer and Catherine Halsey, um, to plan what their next steps are. Because Cortana has arrived, has sent what are known as Forerunner Guardians. Mm-hmm. They're massive, um, massive war platforms that essentially exu- will put out a massive EMP, which will knock out all technology. Um, for what they the, look like, they're—that's the image that's on the cover, the cover art of Halo Five. The uh, the 
the winged figure, which is also the mini the mini statue that you got if you got the limited mm-hmm. edition game. That's a guardian. That was one of okay. the guardians, right. and that's also what happens at the at the end of Hunt the Truth. That's the tie-in to it. Mm-hmm. Is that you actually get to hear one of the guardians waking up in the podcast, which is a really cool, really cool scene. Okay, so giant guardians which are essentially EMPs which look like they're part of the 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 Promethean group, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're created yes. by Promethean. Yep. Were they intended as an essentially EMPs to knock out all technology? Wouldn't that also knock out the Prometheans cuz they are technology? No. No. That's uh, so they... Oh, that's so bad. Well, Promethe- Prometheans aren't living technology. They just have no. ancillary suits. And most of them would be on the war platform itself, so... Right. But... Um, no, go ahead. You're, okay, also, so you're also talking I, about a race who made the Halo rings, so realize self-destruction's not foreign to them. Sure, sure. <laughs> mm. and, and, you have to, and you have to remember, the, the, whole, the whole thing which drives everything is the idea of the mantle of responsibility, which right. essentially is... Being a caretaker for the universe. Right. Which the, was put on the humans, correct? <laughs> right. It, but they there, there was a group know. called Precursors that right. they were the ones who created every, all this. Oh, this story. The, the, they created everything in the universe. They created uh-huh. the Forerunners. The Forerunners were essentially their military branch. Uh-huh. They also created humanity. Uh-huh. What they ended up doing was they decided that humanity was going to be the ones that were supposed to take over the mantle. Right. Well... This upset the Forerunners, especially since they thought that they would end up being destroyed. So they waged war against the Precursors and either killed them all or drove them all off and then assumed the mantle the, assumed the mantle of responsibility. They viewed the mantle not as – the Precursors viewed the mantle of responsibility as kind of like a benign leadership that you kind of let things happen um, because everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. unless there's some – Matt, something which would totally knock everything way out of whack. The Forerunners viewed it as an Imperial piece, when that's actually something John says in Halo 5. It's an Imperial piece, meaning they dictate everything. Gotcha. And they they actually prevented races from um, yeah. progressing. The Prophets. Well, they actually did that with humanity. Oh, that's too. right. Yeah, that's right. They did, yeah. They held, and that's what part of what, st- what drove the humans and forerunners into conflict along with something else that will take us down another rabbit hole and we won't go there because we don't have time well we have about eight minutes so i if we can wrap up this episode and then pick it back up with the advanced episode in halo wars 2 if that's okay yeah we can definitely do that okay so also in 2558 this is when the banished arrived on installation 00 the lesser arc and kill all the unsc personnel last piece for this is halo wars 2 uh, this happens in 2559. The UNSC Spirit of Fire, a ship that um, went missing 28 years 28 years earlier, arrives at Installation 00 and comes into conflict with the Banished. Um, after a number of encounters, um, the uh, the UNSC is able to um, prevent uh, the Banished from getting what they specifically went to the Ark for, which was a Halo ring. Because the arcs are what actually created the Halo rings, um, a the scientist on board the UNSC Infinite uh, UNSC Spirit of Fire, Ellen Anders, is able to take the ring after disabling its weapons to the Soel system. Now, this the Soel system 
is where the original Halo, uh, the original ring from Halo CE was located. This was its replacement. Um, to con- and they took it there to get to the UNSC. Partway there, they're forced out of slip space by a guardian. And that's where Halo Wars 2 ends. Um, it's also at this t- point in time that the latest version of Mjolnir armor comes into service. And in December, no, November of, uh, 2059, the UNSC loses the battle of Installation 07 to the faction of the Banished that appeared at that ring. So, and anything else we can go ahead and kind of pick up next on the next episode. So, I, okay, Blue, I'm going to make you take me because I'm broken by what you put in chat. I want to give a big shout out to Zombie Dust Dogs because that breaks Green's face. <laughs> I love that Pin's size. He's just like, I know exactly what you're talking about. We can't take you anywhere. <laughs> it's so Oh, uh, uh, it's like one of the uh, funniest in, like creation stories in the Halo series, and it's just oh, it's so good, so good. Um, but no, uh, really though, big shout out to Pins for for putting all these notes together. It was it was really a lot of information that was he did a great job boiling down, um, and I am doing a really good job of driving tangents to make it worse um so yeah that's my shout out pins do you have any shout outs for the intro session um well shout out to you guys um i don't know why you keep having me come back i keep telling you there's people who know know better than i do but i'm so very glad to always come on um i really enjoy it and you know just wanted to say thank you so we love having you on pins it's 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 like a family thing you know definitely yeah as far as shout outs go for me um shout outs to the zombie dogs and to justin who manages to make halo seem a lot more crazy than it actually is in some ways because we actually got to play it with him mm-hmm. sort of like justin he was in has Justin has an unparalleled ability of making callouts for PvP maps. It's such oh my little big cart. <laughs> the funny thing is, I know exactly where he's talking about every time. Like he comes up with yep. most inane names, and you like, <clears throat> it's like I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. He comes up with these names, and it's just like, why do I understand what you're saying? Your words, like the words that you just put together, should not make sense. But I know but exactly know. where you are. Right. The thing is, though, like his ability to do that and his ability to like he calls out random things in war because he's actually quite knowledgeable in Halo lore mm-hmm. as well. Yep. And he'll call something out and I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> because Justin has the innate ability to call something really something stupid, but it's still accurate. Yep. And then I can turn to Pens, who is always there, and be like, "Explain what this. What did he? What is this?" And Pens, like we talked about, the precursors turning into the flood during that evening, which I had forgotten that story, and you were able to explain that. So it's kind of a shout out to Justin, who helps initiate that conversations for me to be able to turn to you and you can explain what is going on 
my brain is broken. Please fix it. <laughs> you are my fixer pins. I've been called worse. So, okay. But yeah, that's that's my shout out tonight to the combo of having you two with Halo at the same time is amazing. Oh, well, yep. As always, thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.